Hey everyone, welcome to a very special thing I'm uploading here to the Constitutional's uh, feed, RSS feed. I should probably plan out what I was going to say before I said anything. Uh, this is Chad White, I'm the host of the Constitutional's, and of course I'm the host, of course, of the website cpluscomedy.com. Whole bunch of stuff there, go check it out. But today we're here to talk about Ryan Singer's new album, Free Love, that has come out about two weeks ago at this point, uh, which is my entirely my fault <laughs> at the point of me uploading this, po- uh, this uh, interview. Uh, I sat down with Ryan over the phone and we had a nice long chat about uh, his album and the way he does comedy. And uh, I think he's a really funny guy. Uh, you might have seen him on Marin and he has his own podcast, Me and Paranormal You. He uh, tells these, and I, and I wanted to tell him this before. I don't think I've, I don't think I said it to him, but I, he has these nice long jokes that are just uh, very world building and they really set up his character whereas there's a lot of comedians who are set up punchline set up punchline this guy likes to sit down and really extrapolate the comedy from whatever he's saying for about five minutes long and it's great he's a very funny guy and also free love the album is free everywhere so definitely check it out it's very fun it's very funny and he's just doing a different brand of comedy in a world filled with uh, hate that's you know in the news and stuff like that and that's actually how we started our conversation and we started talking about the news it was a very it's uh we're dating ourselves at this point i'm probably just going to leave it in because it's better that way that's how i do my interviews uh we talked about uh, the hurricanes that were battering the south because i am in the south currently in atlanta so there we go there's that <laughs> that's a little truth about me so like i said ryan singer's album free love it's free everywhere check him out he's a funny guy now hear this the interview. By the way, uh, what, like I said, we were just talking about some stuff, uh, and <laughs> we were talking about stuff of the day that happened, uh, and then you know, of course, Kanye had recently talked to Trump uh, that day, that morning, so uh, we were just discussing that. So I decided to, you know, cut out a little bit of that conversation uh, because of dated us, but you will we'll be coming in the middle of that, and that's the reason why I'm interjecting here. Okay, back to the interview. I mean, I guess when we put all of our hopes and our dreams into our celebrities, we've come uh, led down a path that might be somewhat predictable. That's very true. And then that's why, you know, we need comedians like you out there uh, just just skirting along and, and telling us uh, the good things to laugh at. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I don't know when, like, the sea change in me happened. It was probably, like, around 2008 when uh, I was uh, in a relationship with uh, this woman and I started to realize that I was getting funnier because I was happier. Um, so about 10 years ago now, and then I, that's when like that myth of you have to be miserable and bitter and angry to be funny as a comedian. That's when it first started to die for me. And, I think more people are kind of coming around to that recently in the last few years, and hopefully a lot more will uh, in the next few years too. But, you know, because there used to be the old line, like nobody wants to see a comic up on stage telling everybody how great their life is. That's not funny. And I've been really trying to prove that wrong, um, you know, uh, in the last, the last few years at, at least. Like, no, that can be funny. Because even when things are going great, there's still, <laughs> you know, even if you're just happy to be alive, it doesn't mean that you don't still have roommates at, at, at an age where we've been told you're not successful if you still have roommates. 
Um, and you know what I mean? It's like this, I bought into that lie for so many years, this like Western like view of like, if you don't have luxury, you're a failure. And it's like, man, that's screwed up. It's such a flawed way of looking at the world, especially when you consider if you travel outside of our country, like just to have your own bedroom is luxurious, mm-hmm. let alone access to hot water constantly on demand, my own car, cell phone, computer, Wi-Fi. I mean, I'm living like a king. I'm, I, I definitely live, I don't know who said it, but they were, they were so right. They said if you take like the average person in the United States and compare the luxury and the opulence that they have access to compared to like a king or a queen in like the 11th century or or even later, it's like we dwarf, dwarf like the opulence they have. But yet we're considered to be struggling. Uh, we're considered to be, uh, you know, failing and not really making it. Um, and then it's just like, I mean, sure, it's all a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that, you know, I bought into this lie that if I don't have a house and a guest house or a vacation home and, and like the nicest car that I'm not making it is, oh, it's so poisonous. And uh, so, you know, I'm trying to break free from all of that, you know, and it's a day-to-day struggle. But, um, you know, there's real joy and real, you know, happiness that can be found once you realize, like, just how lucky you are to be alive, even if, you know, it feels like the world is burning down around us sometimes when, when Kanye has lunch at the White House. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, but like, what can we do? What, can, what kind of change can I make in the world to get it to where I want it to be? And if we can laugh at ourselves, I think that's a, good, that's a, that's a, first, that's a good first step. Yeah, and that kind of mirrors what you're trying to do with uh, free love because when you put it out for free and you've got all of these uh, grandiose and then also similarly small uh, bits up there and, uh, and, and you're they're sharing this entire uh, perception that, yeah, everything is going to be all right in the end. Yeah, and I think everything is definitely going to be all right in the end as long as everyone doesn't just sit back and wait for it to be all right. That's a big component. Um, of, I know there's a lot of people in the New Age woo world or the paranormal world um, that I find myself occupying a lot of time with uh, or around who kind of think that, like, well, as long as I have my crystal, everything's going to be okay. And there is a certain, I don't know, there's an inherent laziness in all of us. And it's difficult to remain engaged and activated all the time. Um, but at the same time, actively spreading love is, to me, better than just sitting at home alone, like trying to love, which is still a good start. But you have to actively be a pacifist, um, which is what I think that I strive toward. Because um, I don't believe in violence. I don't believe in, you know, anger. I mean, I think anger can be used as a tool, but I don't think it's uh, it's like hitting the the hate the the hate pipe. Anger is kind of like 
you know, crack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it'll get you jazzed up, and it might, you know, get you juiced up for, like, a very short period of time. But love is more like, you know, a healthy diet, you know, or a bunch of good vitamins. It's like sustained energy over a long period of time that's better for you in the long run. Even though hate might peak you higher, you know. Um, but it's like, yeah, we have to be actively loving. In like, and it's tough, and it's tough. I mean, it's hard enough when you're on the road driving, let alone when you feel like, you know, the, uh, the government is... Uh, institutionalized uh, racism and misogyny and, uh, and like, you know, with everything that's been happening, it seems like the hits just keep coming. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very complex. But at the same time, I think we can boil it down simply enough to be like, do I operate from love or do I operate from fear? And if I'm operating from fear, that means I'm scared of letting people in whether it's into my own heart or whether it's into my country. Um, you know, like, I'm going to build a wall uh, around my, myself and around the country. Or do we operate with love, meaning, like, come in, you need help, I love you, we, we're all connected. And sure, I'm making myself more vulnerable when I do that, on both ways. But uh, I think it's the only way for us to move forward. How did you decide to put such... Uh, big ideas onto this your fourth album well I don't know if it was a conscious decision as much as it was it just kind of organically occurred to what I was writing about and what I enjoyed performing on stage I've always really loved the idea of trying to put a big idea into a into a, a small thing like a joke um, and I mean, for me, the number one purpose of doing stand-up comedy is to make someone laugh. And I think it's, it's a real added bonus if you can make them think about something, right? Um, mm-hmm. but you know, but if that becomes, but when that starts becoming the number one focus, you know, you definitely start losing the laugh. But, uh, so I, I don't know if it was just like, something that like organically and of course I'm just like anybody else you know I I would enjoy it if people like agreed with me you know what I mean like that's we all enjoy that but to me a laugh is is probably the biggest confirmation of okay I get it I don't I doesn't mean I necessarily agree with what you're saying but I understand what you're saying uh and and that's what a laugh signals to me like okay I understand your point of view. Um, it doesn't mean I have to agree with but, And that's a conversation to me, um, which is something you could argue is, is really lacking nowadays. Um, you know, a, a joke and then a laugh. That's a conversation. That means people are listening to each other. So how did you, did you, was it a conscious decision to keep the album as, uh, you know, physically lengthy as it is? Like it's got 15 tracks, uh, which is well over an hour uh, compared to some other standups who keep them uh, pretty short and maybe around 40 minutes long. Yeah, I've always loved the idea of it being a full hour, um, if not longer, uh, when it comes to an album. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm 42, so I'm of a certain age to where I just love the idea of getting, you know, lost in an hour, for an hour. You can, you know, get lost for an hour. 
uh, in your car or taking a, a hike or something like that. But for me, it's always, the goal for me is to always have 60 minutes of comedy for people when I release an album. And, you know, so I've been kind of roughly around that, I think, on the first four albums. Uh, but yeah, to me, that's a full album. But like, that doesn't mean other people that 40 isn't a full album. That's still an album, for right. sure. You, uh, I've heard you on Marin's podcast before, and uh, it got me thinking, like hearing you now especially, and I am definitely listening to the album earlier today, I'm thinking you could basically have your own podcast that's, I mean, either short form or long form, and you could just, you know, talk for half an hour and really just get your ideas out there, because I think you have a lot to say. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I know on the Paranormal podcast I have, called me in paranormal you um i i had for a while been doing something i called 30 or bonuses where it was basically research projects and of like subject matter or concepts that came up in the conversations i was having with people anywhere from you know doing research on like the history of crystals or you know modern magic uh or you know and things like that and and some of those vary in length from half an hour to, you know, some of them are over an hour. And that's when I, like, I, I didn't realize I could talk that much about this stuff with no one else there until I started doing that. Um, but I, I, it actually really influenced, like, the way my comedy went, too. Doing research and, you know, talking to these people for the last, you know, nearly five years now about all this paranormal or esoteric or kind of new age woo, as some people like to call it, stuff has really, really influenced like the material I started developing because uh, it's a real area of passion for me when it comes to like aliens, ghosts, all this kind of stuff. You said in 2008 you were funnier when you were happier, when you were, when you were happy. Uh, how long did that tr- uh, take to translate to when you went up on stage? Like, did it take, was it a shift in your perspective of comedy, or uh, did it take a little bit longer in order to do that? Yeah, it definitely took time. Uh, when I first started stand-up, I was real angry. Um, I mean, a lot of my material came off that way. I should say it like that. Um, I was in a period of time where I was rejecting God, you know, kind of shedding that old skin of Catholicism. Uh, I had some relationships uh, that had ended uh, where I had thought myself to be, like, mis- you know, like mistreated pretty badly by the behavior of the person uh, or the people I had been dating. Um, and like, and just kind of like, you know, treated as lesser than, and I think that really start was shining through in the material I did. Um, but then, you know, around 2008, when I start to realize like, it's all about how my perspective and how I'm framing it, like those people would have a different perspective on how that relationship was. And maybe they felt that I treated them lesser than, you know what I mean? So it was all a matter of perspective. And that's when I really started to realize like, you can take control of your frame of mind. There's that famous saying, and I don't know who said it, but you can't control, the only thing you control in this life is how you react to things. Um, that's the only control you have. And that, that really resonated with me the first time I heard it. And so slowly but surely, I started to try to figure out how to not, you know, 
have a victim in all of my jokes, if that makes sense. Because, um, you know, in angry comedy, there's, there's always a victim. Like, who's the person that you're getting a laugh at the expense of? Or the thing that you're getting a laugh at the expense of? And that's not to say that that doesn't still slide in or come into play in my, my current comedy. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it was a slow transformation trying to figure out how to get a laugh without screaming, <laughs> you know, or, you know, like being mad uh, at something. So it definitely was a process. Yeah, I definitely understand uh, the victim aspect. Because uh, like sometimes I'll see a comedian and they'll tell a joke about you know somebody a, a big celebrity like a Bieber or a Kardashian and I think what what are you getting away from that why why what are you getting uh, from that it's it's something that uh, I think we should have evolved past because it's just it's 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 not it's not conducive to what comedy uh, should be if it's a takedown. Yeah, definitely, and I'll tell you it's um, and it's. It's big in comedy right now, especially right now. I mean, the roast, the idea of the comedy roast, that's like never been more popular in the history of comedy that I can tell. Um, and, and I'm not a you know historian necessarily, but I'd like to think I know a little bit about the history of stand-up. But, and I know the Dean Martin roast were wildly popular and the Friars Club and all that kind of stuff. But like the idea of like roasting and takedown is really popular in comedy. And... I've never really gotten into it. And that's not to say that there isn't some skill, because there definitely is a high level of skill in being really good at roasting someone. Um, that's just never been my thing. I've never been uh, one who enjoyed it. I've never been one who like even enjoyed trying to do it. Um, but I think sooner or later, like, you know, it, it'll be, it's a phase. And, like, you know, maybe sooner or later than, you know, uh, a couple of years from now, people will be like, you know what, we've had it with, you know, making fun of everybody and like destroying people comedically. Let's try to lift each other up. And, you know, and when they do, you know, there's comedy out there that's doing that. And I'd like to think I'm part of it. And here's my final question. Is there anything that you're watching or anybody you're watching, anything you're listening to, anything you're reading that you're just enjoying? Oh, yeah, there's so much. Um, I'll tell you, like, I'll tell you the documentary I watched the weekend I recorded this album. And the I watched uh, The Long Strange Trip. It's, the document, it's like the four-part documentary on The Grateful Dead that okay. is available on Amazon Prime, I believe. Uh, and it's about five hours of the story. And I used to love The Grateful Dead when I was younger, and I still love them now. But it talks about a big part of the documentary is about the modern artists. What are they, what are they concentrating on? Are they concentrating on becoming rich and famous or are they concentrating on creating something? And at least that's what I took away from it. Right. Okay. And to me, that's the big, that's the big question when it comes to, pursuing a life as a creative type. What do you really want? Do you want to create something that's special and unique to you? And whatever happens because of that is what happens? Or do you want a career, like first? And then if you get lucky, maybe you'll make something that is, is pretty creative and unique to you. So 
to me, the answer is very simple, uh, and it's to live the creative, cre- creative life. That's more fulfilling. I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember watching all those VH1 behind the music, and they were all the same. Like, they were all like, you know, artists, musicians, you know, starts from nowhere, has a dream, gets really rich and famous, can't believe that doesn't make them happy, has a downfall, right? And then hopefully redeems himself later if there's a happy ending. But like, you know, money and fame don't make you happy. And I've seen enough people burn their hands on the stove to where I'm not going to be grabbing. And if whatever I end up creating is a byproduct of that becomes that I become more, I become famous and I become rich, then that's fine as long as I'm not controlled by other people and what it is I'm creating. And to me, that's important. And it keeps you on the outside sometimes, but the outside of what? I mean, and, you know, uh, you know, there's plenty of buildings I walk by that I probably wouldn't be allowed inside because I don't have a, a membership card or something like that. But, like, I've never even thought about going into those buildings. I don't even notice that they're there. So, I don't know. To me, it's like the pursuit of art, the pursuit of the craft that is paramount. And sure, it's great to be able to make a living and not have to worry about money. Um, but that's not the number one. That's not the number one thing for me. And um, that Grateful Dead documentary really hit that home for me. I, I just recently read The Four Agreements um, by Don Miguel Ruiz. That's an amazing short book um, for people who kind of want something that might be uplifting uh, and motivational as well. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. I very much appreciate this. You're, you're a really good person to talk to. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks for, you know, helping promote the album. And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed it uh, when you were listening to it. And, you know, it's free. So if you know somebody else who might want it, you know, spread that, pass it around. Uh, send that link out. Will do. Thanks so much. Thanks again. Yeah, have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Oh, isn't he a joy? I told you guys he's such a nice guy. I had a good time talking with Ryan and uh, you should definitely check out his album because he's a very funny person. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Uh, if you want to follow Ryan Singer, I'm going to look up his information right now, <laughs> which I probably should have had ahead of time. Uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can follow him at Sing over there on Twitter. He's got a lot of comedians that I follow who simultaneously follow him. So that's how I know he's a good person. He's a funny person. Uh, you can also head on to his website, ryansingercomedy.com, where you can see a whole portfolio worth of stuff. And there will also take you over. You can just click on the album for free love, click on it, and it'll take you right over there to a Dropbox where you can download every single one of the tracks. Isn't that, lo- isn't that wonderful? Isn't that lovely? I was singing that song before I, <laughs> before I started listening to the, uh, interview again so definitely check it out ryan singer funny man free love over there for free download it get into it okay thanks for listening all right